0: um, I preached this sermon this morning, and uh, I realized after preaching uh, the sermon that it's actually quite weird. Um, So tonight, um, uh, you're going to get a really quite weird sermon. And what I also realized is that it's also um, relatively intense. And uh, I also worked out that um, when you're in the round and you're talking about something that's a little bit weird, a little bit odd, a little bit awkward, and a little bit intense, I have the worst preaching style because I eyeball people. And when I eyeball people, so that what I'm saying basically is don't be offended if at an inappropriate moment I say something about somebody's body and I look at you. Because I don't mean you, it's just, and actually what you need to realize is that I'm actually relatively short sighted, so I can't even see you anyway. <laughs> Honest. Um, so tonight I want to talk about your body and my body and how we handle our bodies, and what God thinks about our bodies, because we're in the middle of a series that we've called Detox. And uh, there is an obsession in our world around what it looks like, and this thing that we carry our lives in, but the church doesn't often talk about it. We don't often talk about this stuff that we've got. We don't often talk about how we think about our bodies, how we feel about our bodies, whether we like our bodies, Um, And what we do with our bodies. And so we're going to uh, take a look tonight about what we think God has to say about our bodies. And I'm going to speculate with some thoughts about how we might have a healthy attitude to this thing. I'd love it if you have a Bible. If you turn in your Bible to the New Testament, the New Testament is towards the right of your Bible. And um, it starts with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Gospels, the eyewitnesses of Jesus. And then it goes on to look at some letters written by a guy called Paul. Paul is one of the kind of smartest, uh, most passionate Jesus followers that ever lived. And Paul wrote a number of things to churches to basically deal with the kind of stuff we're going to talk about tonight. Very practical stuff about how you and I are going to engage with this world how you and I are gonna walk with Jesus, how it's gonna make a difference for everyone around us. And he writes, I want you to turn to uh, the letter to the Romans, Paul's letter to the Romans, into chapter 12. And um, and then I want you just to flip a few pages over and go to Paul's letter to the Corinthians, second Corinthians and chapter four. Don't worry if you haven't got a Bible, the verses are going to come up on on the screens that are all around you. Now what you need to know about Romans is that Romans is like Paul's best go at saying this is what I believe. This is Paul going, "If, if I was ever write down everything I think and believe, this is it systematically, this is what I think and this is what I believe. About God, about life, about me, about you. And in the middle of this 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 um, passage of scripture that Paul is writing, he has some stuff to say about your body. He has some things to say about what you do with this thing that you have. Whatever shape it is, whatever size it is, he has some things to say. So we're in the middle of this series called Detox. and And the series is kind of predicated on a couple of understandings. It's formed on a couple of ideas. The first idea is this, that God, who is very good and is very great, has an incredible plan for your life. The plan God has for your life is way better than the plan you currently have for your life. And the plan that God has for your life is to somehow do something with your life that makes your life look, like, look more like a Jesus life. The old school preachers and theologians would call that sanctification. God is trying to do something in you to holy you up. That word holy is the word kadosh in the Hebrew. It's the word hagios in the Greek. And it actually literally means to set apart for. God is wanting to set you apart from people around you. To set you apart from this world around you so that you might be different and look different and look like Jesus. That's what he's trying to do. In the middle of this thing, that's what he's trying to do with your life. He's trying to make you the best possible version of you. The best possible version of a Jesus you. That's what he's doing. It's also predicated on the understanding that this world is poisonous. This world is anti-human. We live in an anti-human world. We live in a world where, where everything, thoughts, ideas, feelings, things we watch, things we put into our body are actually anti-human. They're killing you. They're poisoning you. They're changing you. They're stopping you being that better version of you. That's why we have to detox. The things we think, the things we see, the things we say, the things we do, the things we eat, the things we wash with, they're like anti-human They're trying to prevent you walking as you should walk with Jesus. We need a detox. And last week we started off in the only place you can start off with Jesus. And we said, actually, the question above every question is who is Jesus and how does Jesus see things and are you following Jesus? It all starts there. Can't, can't get anywhere good in this world without starting with the one who is perfect humanity, perfect wisdom, perfect theology, and perfect life. And so we talked about how we detox from the stuff that isn't Jesus. And, and in the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about your mouth. We're gonna talk about the words that you say and the words that are said to you because they hurt you, don't they? Sometimes the things that are said to us form us and damage us. And sometimes the things that we say about other people and about ourselves, the things that comes out of our our mouths are poisonous and we're gonna start doing a detox around what we say and what we allow to be said. And in the final week we do this, we're gonna talk about your mind. We're going to talk about the philosophies and wisdoms that we listen to, that we believe, that seem reasonable to us because we live in this world, but are inconsistent with this thing called the kingdom of God, and will prevent you living a life worthy of the person that you're following. But today, I'm just going to talk about your body. You up for that? Like none of you. Like totally freaked out. Today... I want to talk about your body because God loves bodies. He totally loves bodies. Romans chapter 12. Here we go. Eyes down. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And now let's, let's flip and let's take a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And I want to read from verse 6. And now in Corinthians, what you need to understand is that Paul is writing to a church which is very like ours. A church that is full of young people who are dealing with the fact that they've come to know Jesus in a world where knowing Jesus is, is, is kind of poisonous. It's, it's weird. It's different. And they're trying to work out how to do relationships. They're trying to work out how to do money. They're trying to work out how to do all the things they have to do in their life. And and, and Paul writes this. He says, For God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay. To show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We're hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. Now, here's the verse. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus. So the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that his life might be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but his life is at work in you. Let's just pray and let's, let's get into this. So God, we just invite you into this conversation. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you speak to our hearts? And will we leave here different? We ask that you give us a God perspective on our bodies. We ask that you bring some healing to our bodies. We ask that you deal with shame around our bodies. And we ask that you do it as painlessly as possible. <laughs> oh, man. Amen. God loves your body. Let's let's look at that verse in Romans chapter 12. Paul writes, in view of God's mercy. In other words, he's been talking about how incredible God is. and, And then he says, present your bodies, which is a weird thing. Because if you've hung around contemporary Christian worship for any length of time, you would fully expect him to say, present your hearts. Wouldn't you? And when we sing stuff, it's all about our hearts. God, we give you our hearts. It's all about our hearts. But Paul says something really weird. He says, present your body as a, it's very earthy. Present your body as a living sacrifice. He says, there's a transformation that's going to happen when you let God do his thing. And it's a transformation that's going to affect your body. It's going to affect your life. It's going to affect this thing that's odd, shaped, and weird, and you're a bit weirded out by. It's going to affect your body in other words it's not some kind of ethereal hypothetical thing that God's going to do he's going to do something with you it's a body thing and what God does in the body is an act of worship in other words your body is not less important than your mind or your spirit You know, we kind of want to divide those things, don't we? And talk about the spirit and talk about our soul and talk about our minds and and talk about our hearts. And we have sermons about it. We write songs about it. But your body is no less important to God. And where you put your body and how you use your body and how healthy your body is, is an act of worship. And yet Christians are not very good at talking about this stuff. I, I grew up in a kind of church where we didn't talk about this kind of stuff. It was a bit icky and a bit weird. We didn't like to talk about what people did with their bodies. And if we ever talked about bodies in church, we talked about them negatively. You know, we were basically worms. We were a sacks of dung. It was bad. This thing caused me to want to be tempted, so I wanted to cut my arm off and pluck my eye out and all this kind of stuff and and, and, and we were ashamed about sex so we didn't talk about sex and and, and we didn't like body parts so we told everyone to cover up because it looked a bit you know, bad if someone in worship was wearing a short sleeve shirt or something like that because it might cause temptation or I've no idea what that stuff was and consequently because we weren't interested in our bodies we just dressed badly and had sour faces (laughs) not that any of you, I'm not eyeballing any of you at this moment in time but you know we just we just we just did that and then we were just conflicted because we had weird rules about our bodies you know we we're all kind of in agreement that smoking was a bad thing and we shouldn't really smoke and some people did and some did but it was a bad thing to do we probably shouldn't drink too much alcohol that was a bad thing as well but but we could scoff as much sugar and cake as we liked In fact, we baptised that and made it an acceptable thing and had donuts and cakes after church and it didn't really matter how many you stuffed in your face, that was perfectly acceptable. We had this kind of weird thing about what's acceptable and what's not acceptable. Now, I think that probably looking around you right now, we're doing okay. Some of you are dressing okay. Others of you have clearly been working out. Well done, you're looking buff. And... uh, And uh, you know we've got, and some of you, I'm quite proud of the way our church handles this stuff. We've got people who've started gyms. We've got people who are training as nutritionists because we don't. We believe everything is spiritual. We haven't kind of said that the only spiritual stuff is preaching the word of God, and everything else is is kind of icky. No, no, no. It's important. We've got people who are are counsellors, and we've got physios, and and and. uh, But but we are a bit conflicted about this stuff, aren't we? How many of you? Yeah, I'll do this. How, put your hand up. How many of you totally love your body? I mean, really love it. Excellent. We got one, two, hello, <laughs> three. <laughs> we, got, we got three, but, but here's, here's a more serious question. Put your hand up. How many of you know somebody personally who has an eating disorder? Wow. This is the church. We're just totally conflicted by this stuff. We're not comfortable in our own skin. We don't understand what it looks like to really be grounded. God loves bodies. Jesus wore one, a human one. He put on flesh and according to my understanding of scripture, he still wears one. He still wears a body. Thomas touches Jesus' physical resurrection body. And Jesus loves to heal human bodies as well as hearts and minds. He goes around Israel doing that and he still does that today. The apostle Paul uses the, the body as a metaphor like all the flipping time we could have could have used 20 or 30 different passages of scripture where Paul talks about the, the body of Christ and the body and the human body. He's not ashamed. We're told that the Holy Spirit right now lives in millions of bodies, hundreds of bodies around this room. The Holy Spirit makes his dwelling place. Indeed, this thing that I've got for me is the primary vehicle of the transformation of people all around me. I better learn to love this thing. I need to learn to accept this thing and need to learn how this thing can become holy and wholly acceptable to God. How this thing moves How this thing speaks and how this thing acts is my worship to God. And so we better get, we better get sensible about this stuff, yeah? Paul says this, honor God with your body. Honor God with your body. Which is really difficult because most of us have a dysfunctional view of our bodies. I I want to say that that, that there are at least three dysfunctions that we have, and I'm going to try these out right now and see if they they work for you. Most of us us have these three dysfunctions. We either reject our bodies, or we perfect our bodies, or we neglect our bodies. It's also helpful that they happen to rhyme. most, of, Many of us reject our bodies. We say we hate our bodies, we cover up our bodies, we don't want to be seen, we don't like when summer comes because we have to expose more flesh and we don't want to expose more flesh. And There, there, there are moments when you're really anxious about what you're going to wear because you don't know whether they will be acceptable or not and you hate your body. That make sense? Lots of us do that. And then others of us perfect our bodies. Probably as a a reaction to rejecting our bodies, you know, we tone and tan and gel and smell and gym and slim. You know, uh, usually around January time when we get our gym membership because we overindulged at Christmas time. But we've become kind of, there's a whole industry, like a billion, billion, billion dollar industry that is all about... Getting your body the perfect shape, the perfect size, the perfect number, the perfect sculpted abs. Men's health, men's fitness. Not that I ever read any of that stuff. But, but, but it's, it's there, isn't it? It's perfecting my body, grooming my body. But many of us just neglect our bodies. You know, it happens to many of us at a certain age when your chest slips you know, when your six-pack becomes a keg. <laughs> and when your, your toned arms become bingo wings. It, I mean, clearly I'm not looking at anybody at this moment in time. But, you, 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 you know, you, let, let me make it more personal. Stop trying to be funny. I, um, I know about all these things... Because I have experienced all these things and done all these things at different stages of my life. I know what it means to reject my body because I hate my body. I, I grew up and I was always a big guy. You know, I was I was tall and I was also a bit chubby. And, uh, and and I know what it looks like to know to think I'm fat. And I know what it looks like to have a minor eating disorder. I know what it feels like to make myself sick. I know what it looks like to think I've got a big nose. And I also have a fatty lump on top of my head that the girls point out every now and again. And if you get close to the light, you can see it here. I know... And and I... (laughs) And and I know what it feels like to be exposed in the round. I know what that feels like. And I also know what it feels like to perfect my body. I know what... Well, (laughs) some of you are thinking, really? But... But I... I do, I I know what it feels like to work out, I know what it feels like to be obsessed, I know what it feels like to to diet, I know what it feels like to to be really concerned about what I'm wearing, to take my, you know, to try clothes on, try them on again, try them on, say, is this looking alright, does this make me feel, you know, I know what that all feels like, to perfect my body, I know, I know what it feels like to not want to do swimming lessons at school, how many of you know what I'm talking about, nobody. I, I know what it feels like to not want that, to, to, to hate that kind of stuff. I also know the temptation to let myself go. You know, there have been times when I've perfected myself. You know, I, I, I have every single possible kind of hairstyle I have had. I have ear piercings. I have the whole, you know, everything. I've done the whole thing to look right and feel right. And, and I also know the temptation to be lazy to stop exercising, to eat what I like, to overindulge, to binge eat, to overwork and to underplay and to abuse my body. And just to be really honest, I could pretend that's all history for me and I've dealt with it and Jesus has dealt with me and I'm done, I'm good now, but actually this is yesterday and today and a pretty constant thing for me and God's dealing with me and it's good and and but, but actually, it's, it's a real struggle for so many. Such an issue, isn't it? Such an issue of security and identity and how we feel and what we think other people will think. And, but here's the thing. To reject your body, to perfect your body and neglect your body, they are all non-biblical postures towards this thing that God has given to us. By which I mean this. There are moments when they're really helpful gestures. You know, it's, it's important to reject certain things and it's important to perfect certain things and work the, the, out that certain things need to be sorted. And it's important to neglect certain things because we're not supposed to be obsessed with our bodies. But, but actually, at the, the, the biblical posture is this. We, we are called to accept our bodies. You are fearfully and wonderfully made, says the scripture. God threw away the book when he made you. There's nobody like you. You're totally unique. He, he celebrates you. He loves you. You are perfectly made in the way that he wants you to be made for the things that he wants you to do. He's not made a mistake. To learn to love this thing that we we have. And then we're also called to reflect in our bodies the person Of Christ, Paul says this. Remember, we always carry around in our bodies the death of Christ, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our bodies. What he's saying is, this is the best picture that anyone's ever going to get of who Jesus is. What you do with this, how you use this, whether you how you celebrate this, how you how you how you choose to act towards this, is a picture of who Jesus is and what Jesus does. We've got to get comfortable in our own skin. So I have made a decision to believe that God made my body and he loves it. He thinks I am beautiful. (laughs) And Jesus paid for my body, not just my soul. And the Holy Spirit lives in this thing. So I better look after it. And I better work on it. And I better not neglect it. God has a plan for my body. And he has a plan for yours. So what's your job? This is where I get speculative. Your job is to look after the thing that God's given to you. Your job is not to abuse it. Your job is not to be obsessed with it. But your job is to recognize that this is a vehicle of the kingdom of God. And this is your act of worship. So. What would it look like as a detox for you and I to learn to look after this stuff? Here we go. Try this out. You can disagree with me because I'm not taking this straight from the Bible. But here we go. First thought is this. You need to learn to fast. And you need to learn to fast from ignorance. By which I mean you need to know your body. And you need to learn to accept your body. And you need to begin to love your body. Now I, I, I wrote this and rewrote this and rewrote this again because I didn't want to be clumsy and say the wrong thing. Okay, so bear with me if I get this wrong. But here we go. You need to know your shape and what your body needs and what your body is like, looks like and feels like when it is at its best. That's what you need to know. And then you need to move towards it. You need to know your body, what it feels like and what it is like when it's at its best and then you need to move towards it. Now notice that I didn't mention a weight or a number or a size. Those things are not relevant. It's not a number or a type. It's to be healthy and to be fit for purpose. That's what we're talking about here. And the numbers and the sizes are really unhelpful in so many ways. Second thought is this. You need to fast from comparison. And we live in a world where this is really, really difficult because we live in a world of comparison. Social media is a poison. I mean, I'm sure there's some good stuff and there is some good stuff that comes out of it, but social media is a poison because all the time in social media, you're comparing your bad stuff with everyone else's best stuff and you're thinking you don't come up to the mark. Stop comparing your body and it's, it's easier said than done because we live in a world of photoshopping and, 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 and the subtly poisonous unhealthy stereotypes. No, 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 listen. You be you. Be beautiful you. Be odd shaped you. We're all odd shapes. Do you know one of the really weird things is this? If you do any study of history and body types, what you begin to realize is what we call beautiful today was ugly yesterday. And we'll probably be ugly tomorrow. And and, and that was wrong, and this is wrong, and that's wrong as well. Because God says you are fearfully and wonderfully made. There is no particular type that you're supposed to adhere to. You're just supposed to be the best version you can possibly be of who God made you to be. Now listen, you're not supposed to be a shadow of you, and you're not supposed to be an out-of-breath you, and you're not supposed to be a poisoned you. You're supposed to be the best version of you, but you're supposed to be you, not the person next to you. It is a complete and utter waste of poisonous time to compare yourself with somebody else's shape, size, and to say, I wish I was them. You just got to be you. Third thought, you need to fast from fast food. <laughs> That's going to be really difficult for some of you. But, but the whole high sugar, big fat, bad portions, wrong time of day eating comfort food binge thing is not going to help you in any way be the person God called you to be. Learn to eat a balanced diet stop eating mcdonald's i mean a sneaky mcdonald's every now and again is not going to kill you but effectively it's poison it's not good for you it it always makes. no i'm not going to do this because i'll get sued probably but stop frying all your food You know, I was in the States and and, uh, someone said, well, so what is the national dish of Scotland? What do the Scottish people eat? And they were totally obsessed with the idea that we probably ate haggis, neeps and tatties all the time. So I had to explain that that wasn't the case. And they said, "Well, well, the average person who lives on an average street on a Friday night, what would they go to? Where would they go to get food? So I had to describe the chippy. And when I described the chippy, it really wasn't a very good thing because they said, well, what's available at the chippy? And I started to describe... The worst possible food for anybody on this planet. It is only the Scottish people who have developed an ability to take a sopping greasy pizza, which is a heart attack on a plate already, and then stick it in a deep fat fryer because you haven't got enough fat and danger in your body. I mean, it may taste good. I don't know. I've never dared, but it's but it's going to kill you. Learn to to eat fresh food, raw food. My my wife's a bit of a health freak, and and, and I am learning this, that health food and raw food and lettuce and salad stuff eventually over time can taste all right. (laughs) And drink water. Your body was made to drink water, lots of water, and cut down on alcohol. He said very quickly. Fast from sitting. Your body was not made to sit in a car, sit on a bus, sit at a desk, sit in front of Netflix and go to bed. And part of the reason why you're so tired is actually you don't exercise. Part of the reason you're so tired is actually your body has got into this this habit of just sitting, and you become sludgy. It's not even a word, but it's going to work. You become sludgy, so so set yourself to walk to work, climb the stairs, don't take the lift, get out there, get outdoors, join a gym, get out of breath, get out of breath, fast from sitting because it's killing you, and fast from late night, get more sleep unless you're a teenager, then get out of bed. Get out of bed. Get get more sleep. You know, the the average person apparently needs between seven and nine hours sleep a night. Let's go for eight. (laughs) Go to bed earlier. Don't take screens into your bedroom. Unless all you have is a bedroom, then you're forgiven. But don't, don't... Because... You know, the amount of people who say to me, I really want to get up early in the morning and read the Word of God, and, and, but I'm really struggling to do so, and then I find they always go to bed after midnight, and I say, No. It's not, this is not rocket science. Go to bed before 11, and then you'll be able to wake up in the morning and read the Bible. It's just a, a logical thing, isn't it? I mean, fast from poison and addiction, don't do drugs of any kind. They they will kill you. And when I talk about drugs, I basically mean anything that's an addiction to you. Anything. Anything that becomes addictive to you. Cut it out of your life, because it will disable you. It'll kill you. And it'll disable your body. Being fit for service for the King of Kings. Fast from screens. Now I'm going to be careful just for a moment around this. Watch what you watch. Now, I'm, I'm not being the puritanical, heavy-duty preacher who's given you a heavy shepherding or whatever, but just think very carefully about what you watch. And the reason I say that is Je- Jesus says it. Jesus says in um, uh, Matthew chapter, where is this? Matthew chapter 6, although when he was saying it, he didn't know it was Matthew chapter 6, I guess. You ever thought of that? Jesus says it in Matthew chapter 6. Jesus had no idea it was going to be Matthew chapter 6. He was just saying it. But Jesus... Wow. Um, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, the eye is the lamp of the body. If the eye is good, the whole body is full of light. Putting it a different way, the Apostle Paul says this in, in 2 Corinthians. He says, you and I now with unveiled faces behold the glory of Christ as in a mirror, are being transformed from one degree of glory into the next. What he's saying is that as you behold Jesus, you're transformed into his image. In other words, what you behold, you become. What you look at long enough, you become. What you spend your time gazing on, you become. If you spend your time gazing on Jesus, you become more like Jesus. But if you look at Love Island no idea what that is even, but if you, <laughs> if, you, if you look at some of the stuff, some of the nonsense that's on our TV, some of the nonsense that's on YouTube, and you look at it for long enough, those values seep into your head, seep into your heart, and the stuff comes out of your mouth, and before you know it, you have become that stuff. And, and let's not beat up on, 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 on YouTube or on the TV stations some of the most toxic and aggressive and nasty things that are online come out of the mouths of so-called evangelical Christians. And if you spend your time listening to that stuff and gazing on that stuff, and some of the nasty and most toxic things come out of some of our political leaders, by the way, as well. He says, getting a little political... But if we spend our time gazing on that stuff and listening to that kind of stuff, it'll mess with your head and your heart and it will influence you and you'll end up colluding with it imbibing it. This is your spiritual act of worship. This is your body. You only get one to get through this thing. This is your body. Why wouldn't you look after it? Why wouldn't you get serious around it? This is your body. Wow. I told you it was going to be weird. So, so much to remember. How in the world am I going to do all that stuff? There's screens and there's representing Jesus and there's not putting toxins, there's raw food and there's, you know, all that kind of stuff I've got to do. And I don't know. The only place I know how to start is with Jesus. You will never have optimum physical health and body holiness until you pay attention to Jesus. He is perfect health. He's perfect healing. He's perfect restoration and he feels no shame. He gave you your body. He loves your body. He wants to fill your body, heal your body, and use your body. And and one of the things I really felt for for this talk today is that God wants to do some significant stuff to free us up to truly be the people that God's calling us to be. Not, not stumbling all the time. Not, not failing and falling all the time. Not feeling shame all the time. Because we put our bodies in places that we know we shouldn't have put our bodies. Because we touch things we know we shouldn't have touched. Because we've seen things we know we shouldn't have seen. Because we put into our bodies the stuff that we know that hurt our bodies. And we feel shame about that stuff. And I felt that God wanted to say, I am the healer of bodies. You know, Jesus came saying that he wanted to seek and save the lost. And that word save is the word sozo in the Greek. And it means way more than just you'll get to heaven one day. It means healing. It means total body and life and soul and mind transformation. God wants to heal bodies and minds. And sometimes that healing happens like this because God is God. And oftentimes there's a process and takes time because you're dealing with scars and pain and, and disease and difficulties and stuff that you don't even know that you've got. But it takes a step towards Jesus. And so what we're going to do um, this evening as we respond, we say, God, this is, this is my act of worship. My fitness is my act of worship. My eating is my act of worship. My serving is my act of worship. The way I view things is my act of worship. What you have called good, no one can call bad. We're going to respond and the band are going to come and we're going to spend some time worshipping Jesus. And the prayer team are are, are going to come and they they, they have little um, cups of oil you see, I, I don't think this is a one or two thing. I think this is an everybody play thing. Because I, I, I don't imagine, apart from the people that said, I totally love my body, I've got this all sorted, and my six-pack is ripping, and it's amazing. Um, I think this is an everyone's got some stuff. And he, here's one of the things I felt God say this morning as I was speaking this stuff. I felt God say this is particularly for the boys. In other words, I don't think we can get away with saying, oh, this is probably a girl thing. It's probably a girl thing. You know, it's probably an insecurity thing. It's probably a girl thing. I don't, I don't think we can get away with that. I think there are many guys here today who know what I've been talking about, that actually you feel insecurity. You probably haven't done well with your body. You, you've neglected, rejected, perfected at times. And and, and if we continue with this idea that it's not us, it's not us, then all we do is we bequeath to the next generation of boys that it's okay for it not to be you. You just be a man, man up. But God wants to do some healing and some restoration and to get you comfortable with who God made you to be. And the other thing I felt was that um, while we're here, it's really important for the guys particularly that we begin to realize that the way we view bodies and what we look at when we look at bodies is a worship thing. It's a worship thing. It's an honor thing. And every place where we have looked at women, particularly in a way that doesn't honor God, it's a shame thing. But the way in which God wants to redeem things is he says, I want you to begin to honor and see things the way I see things and see people the way I see people and understand that they're fearfully and wonderfully made. There's plenty of stuff in our our press right now, isn't there? About the way in which men particularly have shamefully treated women. Created in the image of God. And I think there's a call on the men even of this congregation To begin to model something in a different way, in a vulnerable way, in a transparent way. Which will mean that the next generation don't carry the scars of this generation. And the way that we treat one another. The way that we love one another. The way we honour and respect one another.